So Joe Biden says that 98 percent of Americans are going to need to be vaxxed in order for us to return to normal. Is he right? And with that in mind, is there any end to the pandemic? You'll get answers to all things COVID today on The Mark Harrington Show. Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show is brought to you by Created Equal, and you can support our ministry by going to createdequal.org. Hit on the uh, donate link right there, and you can support our work financially. Today, we're going to have the fourth installment with our whistleblower, our COVID whistleblower, who's previously sat on the COVID-19 task force. And each time I've had her on, we learn more about this. Uh, It's been one of our most popular programs when we talk about COVID. Now, a lot of people would wonder, why is a pro-life activist talking about COVID-19? Why would an anti-abortion activist talk about vaccine mandates and, and, and all the rest? Well, let me tell you why. First of all, the vaccines, at least the three that are part of Operation Warp Speed, were developed using aborted fetal cell lines at some level. So that brings in the abortion issue directly. The other issue is the question of conscience, free speech, and government intrusion, which we're very used to when it comes to abortion, with the government forcing pro-lifers to do certain things, you know, coming against us in the public square and all of that. So you cannot just have an anti-abortion view in a vacuum. It's part of a comprehensive worldview. And this is the pressing issue facing the world and especially America. So that's why we're bringing this up uh, on the Mark Harrington Show. And today my guest is the whistleblower again. And uh, just to let you know of her credentials, she has a Bachelor of Science in Molecular Biology, a Master of Science in Nanoscience and Microsystems, a PhD in engineering focusing on nanoscience, and she's a virologist. And as I've said, she previously sat on the COVID-19 task force. For Thanks for being on the program today. Thanks for inviting me back again, Mark. So we want to jump back in. Every time we have you on, I get uh, bunches of questions about what's going on with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and and the the vaccines and the mandates and all of this stuff. Uh, how to deal with COVID if you get sick? The therapeutics, things we can do uh, to prevent it. And so I always feel like there's much more to cover. And hopefully we can go through a bunch of these questions and get some answers because I know people are uh, really looking for reliable information regarding COVID because we're getting so much propaganda from the government and from the mainstream media and other so-called experts. So let's go ahead and get started here. Um, We've covered a lot in the past on this, but let me just ask you, let let me just make it personal. I've had COVID. That means I have the antibodies. In fact, I got tested for the antibodies and I got my test back and said that I had the antibodies. And so my question on a personal level is, 
why is it that that isn't good enough? Why is it that when I want to go to a, an, a, a, an event where it might be indoors, for an example, uh, say a, a concert of some kind, that they only say that you need the vaccine, uh, uh, proof of vaccine or a proof of a ne negative COVID test. Why is it that somebody like myself who has the antibodies, why is it that nobody seems to be talking about that? I'm glad you brought that up. That's a perfect example of how none of this is actually following the science. Just because somebody witnessed another person take a needle into their arm, although that person has not had the antibody testing that you've had, for example, that person mm -hmm. is considered immune. It's, right. a, it's a fallacy. It's a complete fallacy. Um, the vaccines are failing all over the world. There's a preprint that just came out that showed that increases in COVID-19 is unrelated to levels of vaccination. They looked at 68 countries and about 3,000 counties in the U.S., and they did not find a correlation with vaccination and reduced rates of infection. Um, the antibody level that you, you took a test for anti-spike and anti-nucleocapsid antibodies, these are the specific antibodies that the test was looking for. However, other people might have antibodies against different parts of the virus that the test is not looking for, and they might also be immune. Beside mm -hmm. that, there are other ways that a person can become immune or can be immune from this virus and from other viruses. It's, it's so really let me, not so, so, so you say the vaccine's failing. Uh, you wouldn't get that from the mainstream media. They, they're talking like this is the only way. Everybody's got to get vaxxed. Uh, Joe Biden said 98% of Americans need to be vaccinated in order to return back to normal. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, that would never happen. But uh, and, and he doesn't know what he's talking about, of course. But why is it that even though that you say that the vaccines are failing, that we continue to see this push for vaccinations? And why is it failing? Well, the first question we need to ask is, why did he raise it from 70%? When we started this last year, it was 70% to get to herd immunity. And that was our goal. 70% will be at herd immunity. That didn't happen. Now we're raising it to 98%. Mm -hmm. Clearly, the vaccines are not going to be the pathway to so-called herd immunity. It is simply not going to happen. And why is that? Is it that the, it wears off quicker than, than having uh, natural immunity? There's a couple of reasons. Number one, you brought up natural immunity. Natural immunity seems to be the best thing we have going right now. The studies out of Israel verify that natural immunity is better than the vaccine immunity. A big problem with the vaccines is they do not induce what's called sterilizing immunity. That means they don't stop the infection. Initially, we were told that if we took these vaccines, we wouldn't get COVID. And then it was changed right. later to, oh, it'll keep us out of the hospital and it will reduce our chances of death. Now we right. see that so, even so the CDC, what you're saying there is the Centers for Disease Control changed the definition of a vaccination, right? Yes, yes. The definition now, a lot of, of people push back against that. They say, oh, no, they didn't. <laughs> it used to be it would prevent you from getting the illness. And now it's been changed to it will reduce the severity of the illness. Right. Um, right. So those vaccines that people are taking, um, they're failing. In other words, they're not preventing people from getting COVID. Uh, people are getting COVID, plus all of the uh, 
uh, adverse effects of the vaccine, which we've talked about on the program, and I would like to get into that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know this, I may not be able to answer this, but again, why aren't we talking about immunity? Why aren't we talking about herd immunity instead of the vaccination? Without getting into all the conspiracy theories out there, or I should, shouldn't even say that, whether they're conspiracy or all the theories as to why the government would be doing this, uh, it seems to me that herd immunity is the way to go. And that's that's the way to end the pandemic. But why are mm-hmm. we seeing this massive push to mandate vaccines? Once again, that's one of the things that does not make any sense. Another thing is that the vaccines were supposed to prevent transmission. And we're also seeing that that is not happening. A paper, a rapid communication and neurosurveillance just came out recently. And they're looking at a highly vaccinated population in Israel, which was they led us on, on getting the Pfizer vaccine. And they report an outbreak of 42 patients, 39 of which were fully vaccinated. Mm. Of those, um, 14 out of 23 became severely sick or died. So you can see that the vaccine is not even stopping the spread. Therefore, this protect your neighbor narrative, it it can just be (laughs) invalidated right there. So are people who have immunity in a healthier position against any further new or the existing variants in comparison to those who have taken the injection? It's too early to tell for sure right now, but what we know from influenza viruses are that people who've actually become ill with previous versions of influenza viruses were more protected from pandemic, more virulent flu viruses that would emerge later. I see. So we've got this flu season coming up uh, soon, and a lot of people are concerned with the flu uh you know, last year, if you recall, there was no flu season, it seemed like. It's like <laughs> right. there were no incidences of flu. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that for the life of me, truthfully. I, I think that those were a lot of COVID people. But we've got the flu season coming up. Uh, does that validate the concerns of the of an altered immune system by the injection? In other words, uh, the idea that people taking the vaccination, are they going to be more or less likely to catch the flu? It's hard to say right now. There was some early data out of Israel that showed that people between the first and second dose of the Pfizer vaccine were having a peak in COVID cases right between those two doses, which could possibly be attributed to a dip in their immune system. Another thing that we're seeing is um, reactivation of latent viruses in the vaccinated. So um, I'm sure you've heard of mono. It's called Epstein-Barr virus. We've seen mm-hmm. that be reactivated after the vaccination. That stays latent in your body, just like any of the herpes viruses. We've seen shingles reactivate. We're not really sure what's causing those things yet. It's too soon to tell. So what does the vaccine or the, the shot do that uh, normal natural immunity doesn't? Or, or I, I guess the reverse is true. What is the the vaccine not doing that natural immunity does? Well, for natural immunity, you've actually encountered the virus. Therefore, your immune system Mm -hmm. is able to recognize the entire virus inside and out. Therefore, next time you encounter a virus, whether it be a variant um, a long time down the road or not, you'll be primed to recognize all these various parts, both inside and out, like I said, 
of this virus. Um, whereas if you've taken the vaccine, you're only introduced to that tiny spike protein. And I think I had mentioned to you before that that spike protein, the Delta variant already has at least three mutations in that spike protein. And that's all you, your immune system's seen if you're vaccinated is that tiny spike. You haven't seen the nucleocapsid. You haven't seen the internal components of the virus. So it's just common sense. It stands to reason that someone who's encountered the actual virus and has a complete picture of it is going to be more protected than somebody who's only seen this tiny spike protein that's already been shown to mutate. So why is the vaccine or the, the, the shot wearing off? Because they're saying that maybe six, seven months or so after taking the injection, it wears off. And that's why we're seeing these breakthrough uh, infections. What is it about the vaccine that doesn't stay around long enough to fight against reinfections? So it's hard to say. They're basing that on antibody titers, like how you had your antibody test. They're basing that on antibody titers mostly. But we don't really know how effective the vaccine was because the clinical trials only went out two to two and a half months. We don't know the third month, the fourth month. We don't really have a good measure of efficacy of the vaccine. That 95% efficacy was at the two month time point. The chances of encountering the virus in that tiny little amount of time are, are really, really small. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, a longer clinical trial would have made more sense in order to determine true efficacy over time. So one, it could be that the antibodies are wearing off, but even if the antibodies were wearing off, you have something called memory B cells. So even if you don't have the antibodies anymore, your B cells still have memory on how to make those antibodies quickly should they encounter something that looks like that pathogen or that antigen again. So it's really unclear as to whether this is actually waning immunity or it's a very low efficacy of the vaccines that we just weren't able to realize in that short two month time period. My guest is a whistleblower, and this is our fourth installment of the Mark Harrington Show. And after this program, we're going to be having a bonus episode with the whistleblower, dealing with some of the more questions that I keep getting from uh, my listeners and those who follow us on social media and our podcast. Uh, she has a BS in molecular biology, an MS in nanoscience and microsystems. And she's a virologist and was previously on the COVID-19 task force. Let me ask you, we've got all this uh, push now, not just to get vaccinated now, but now the booster shots, right? Uh, the mm -hmm. FDA uh, voted 16 to 2 to not, uh, you know, put these out there widespread and then turned it. I mean, the CDC overruled them, I think. That's and so right. now we have these booster shots going out. Uh, what is the what is the booster shot? Is it just another dose of the the first two shots? That's right. It's a, another dose of the first two shots. A third dose was never which studied. didn't work in the first place. I mean, well, right. I shouldn't say had mm -hmm. it's still dubious as to whether those those initial uh, injections actually were effective. And now we're just right. going to have another one. Right. It's just a third shot of the same thing. And yes, that's true. The FDA and the CDC overrode their committee vote who voted 16 to 2 against booster shots for the general population. And they're now encouraging healthcare workers and others to take a third dose, despite mm -hmm. the huge safety signals that are coming out of the VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. Um, there are more adverse effects 
reported for the COVID-19 vaccines and for any other vaccine in history since we've been recording the adverse effects in the VAERS system. Um, like I said before, a third dose was never studied in clinical trials. We have no idea what's going to happen. So they're just rushing this through. I think it's political. I think that the Biden administration committed to it and said it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, they said it was going to happen by September 24th. They put a deadline on it. And then when they voted against it, the pressure came, political pressure on the CDC and the FDA to go ahead and approve it. I think that's what's happening. This is all about pushing this vaccine out there, getting more people to take it. Let's talk a little bit about the VAERS system. Uh, we spent previous programs talking about this. That's the uh, adverse effects of the vaccine. If you would give us some updates on that. How many people, according to the VAERS system, have died from COVID? How many have uh, who had taken the vaccine and how many have been ha hospitalized? So the last time I looked at the VAERS system, we were close to about 16,000 deaths being reported mm -hmm. on the vaccine adverse event reporting system um, for the United States. And these are all all areas. Um, I don't have updated numbers for hospitalizations right now. No, that's OK. But a lot of people that I know, this is the pushback I get on social media. They'll say, well, that's not accurate. That there's only been three three deaths or something like that uh, re directly uh, to to the COVID vaccine. How do you respond to that? And talk about the vac the, the VAERS system itself and how it's voluntary. And that means that we're probably not actually even taking into account the total impact mm -hmm. of the vaccine. Okay. So first of all, most of these reports are by contactable healthcare professionals like doctors or pharmacists. 82% of these reports are made by a contactable healthcare professional, not a private person. You as a private person okay. can file a report should you need to. Previous studies on the VAERS, um, one out of Harvard, and there's been several others have shown that only between one and 10% 10 per, 10 of adverse events are captured by the VAERS. So because it's a voluntary reporting system, it'll take a physician an, a half an hour to an hour to go and upload the report. A lot of times that's not going to happen. Um, so this is more of an underestimation than an overestimation. If the CDC or anyone else is claiming that only three of these deaths are linked to the vaccinations, I would like to see the proof. Where is the investigation mm -hmm. on the other 15 to 16,000 deaths? Where are the uh -huh. autopsy reports and what on what did they base these conclusions? One of the things you've brought up with me when we've been talking is you think that this flu season or at least winter is really going to be a time when we figure out what's going on here. Why? What do you mean by that? Uh, because we're going to have a lot of sickness, there's going to I mean, normally during the winter, of course, is when we have more colds, more flus, more, more, you know, all kinds of different things happening. Mm -hmm. Why do you believe that's going to be the, the kind of the indicator of all of the things that you've been talking about up until now? So last year we had that big peak in January. I'm expecting another big peak in January of COVID, not only COVID, but probably also influenza, RSV. Um, so previously with the SARS-1 vaccine development, we had talked about this before, we found in animal studies that having antibodies that were induced by these vaccines actually resulted in worsening disease when the animals were challenged. That means when the animals were exposed to the actual virus, they got much sicker than unvaccinated animals. And so why I think is this, that? 
it's because of something that we call antibody dependent enhancement. That's where having certain antibodies can actually cause enhanced disease. So how this can happen, one of those ways how this can happen is the antibody will stick onto the virus and then your immune cells will come seeing that antibody to clear the virus. However, the virus will then use that antibody to hijack your immune cells and then you'll result in cytokine storm and severe disease. Um, we've seen in the animals, um, lung immunopathologies and other organ types of immunopathologies post SARS-1 vaccination. So I, I think in the winter when the cases are higher, that'll become apparent whether or not that's going to happen with these vaccines. And another question I have for you is the vaccine, the injections. Uh, do you believe that that is actually prolonging the pandemic rather than allowing herd immunity and creating the proper treatments and prevention? Do you think the vaccine is actually working against us uh, getting through COVID and getting it done and behind us? That's something I've definitely heard. It's something that a few scientists are, are discussing. I haven't seen evidence for it one way or the other, you know, to confirm or deny. I don't think we have enough time to be able to tell um, the way to but tell. But as a theory, as a, just as a hypothesis, why might that be the case? That might be the case because it's reducing um, natural immunity just enough mm -hmm. to look to lower the curve, like we said all last year, just to lower the curve enough to just extend it out even more. So that's how that idea works. And what about just the virus itself? Do you think, uh, you know, I, I, I assume, and again, I'm not a scientist here, but that it's it's adapting to the vaccines, right? So it's it's trying mm -hmm. to figure out a way to beat it. Oh, yeah, definitely. You're putting selective pressure onto this virus, especially, like I said, the vaccines don't induce sterilizing immunity. So vaccinated people are still going to get infected. And which variants are going to be selected for? They're going to be the ones that are vaccine escaped variants. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I want to give people a lot of people are wondering if we're ever going to get past this. If, if there are, we've, you know, have we lost hope that uh, we're never going to get rid of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. It's going to be with us forever. And so I want to ask you, does this virus ever die off or are we stuck with it like we are the seasonal flu? I believe it's going to be a long, a long time. It's going to be around for a long time where it's probably going to come seasonally, just like the other six human coronaviruses do. Um, the more people that get it, typically it will become more transmissible and less virulent. That means it will become less deadly. Um, but the good news is we have early treatment options. The mm -hmm. monoclonal antibodies are very good. The ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine are showing really promising results in clinical trials. They can reduce hospitalization and death by upwards of 80%. So there's no reason to fear COVID. Right, well, we, we stocked up on those drugs as well. <laughs> And if folks want to get a hold of those types of medicines, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, there are two good places to get it. America's Frontline Doctors is one, and then MyFreeDoctor.com are two places you can get it. Uh, and as, as unfortunately, we're seeing like Walgreens and CVS, some of them are, are not uh, actually filling the prescriptions anymore. Uh, is that correct? Because that's the rumor I've heard. Is it true? 
some of them are refusing to fill the prescriptions. That's correct. And is that and, and is that part of the whole idea that they want to get people vaxxed? They want them to take the vaccine. They don't want them to look to other ways of trying to solve the problem. They're saying that it's coming from corporate, the large chain, the larger chain pharmacies. So, and why do you think that is? I know this is speculation. I know you can't, we can't verify that. Does that just have something to do with the pressures that's being put on them by culture, society, government to to get everybody vaccinated? Well, it probably also has to do with their income from the vaccinations versus these really low cost repurposed drugs. Oh, exactly. They make all mm-hmm. kinds of money on the vaccines. We've been listening to your radio activists here on the Mark Harrington Show. You can find out more about our program by going to MarkHarringtonShow.com. Also, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, and if you're watching on Facebook, you can like and share the program and let me know what you think, if you would, by putting your information or your question or comment in the comment section of my Facebook page. Also, if you're listening by podcast, please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast and Google Play. This really helps us get this kind of information out in front of a lot more people who need to hear it. So you can access our program on all the uh, popular podcasting uh, platforms. Again, you've been listening to your radioactivist on the Mark Carrington Show. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to make a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice, go to createdequal.org. To follow Mark, go to markharringtonshow.com. Be sure to tune in next time for your marching orders in the culture war.